have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge. And I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. All right, welcome back to another awesome week, and it's Thanksgiving week here, so if you're listening to this on Black Friday when it drops, I hope you all had a great and safe Thanksgiving with your family, and if you're out doing some shopping, I hope you got this playing in your earbuds here. Again, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in and constantly getting the word out, making sure people know about this podcast and showing your support. And if you like us on iTunes and follow us there, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. And just keep this show going. And guys, I've got another awesome guest, and this is one I'm excited to have on this week. She's somebody that I actually met a little over a year ago in one of Sunny Strait's acting workshops. She is a contractor. She's an actor. She's a voice actor. She's a makeup artist. And I guess if you want to go ahead and say a Jill of all trades, that would probably be applicable as well. And she's someone that I share a pretty similar sense of humor with as well. So my Black Friday treat to all of you is having Suzanne DeKarma on the podcast today. Suzanne, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Doing good. Good. Kind of full. I'm glad to have you on here and I'm glad you had time to actually be a guest on here. So I really appreciate that. Like I said in the intro, you know, like I met you crazy to say it's been over a year at this point but we met through zoom through one of uh sunny straits workshops over a year ago and yeah that was like a year year ago a couple months now <laughs> somewhere uh, you know, in there I think I, I think I posted that on my memories yeah you did actually and it that was a crazy thing for me because Sonny was the first voice actor that I ever met like way back in 2000 when I was just a little fat kid in middle school. A little weed lass. Yeah. (laughs) So getting to do that workshop and then I was still relatively and I still am relatively green in the acting genre as well. You know, like not counting wrestling or anything. So I was in a pretty stacked class with yourself, with future guest Corey Pettit and so many other people. And I was just like damn, I've got to step my game up in here. Like, I want to be where these guys are. Like, y'all were, y'all blew me away. Oh, man. No, thank you. Honestly, I feel like I really also lucked out in that class, too, because you never know what's going in these workshops, mm-hmm. especially if they're, you know, you know, if they're established talent that's giving talent. Uh, you know, are, are there people who are, are just starting? That's beautiful. That's great. You, you, you start somewhere. You, you just don't know, like, to, being an actor. Sorry if I, I can't explain this. Being an actor or any kind of performer, you you learn to feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that, that comes with the experience. And so being able to have a lot of people who were quick to adapt or people who already knew, you know, how to match that energy, I feel like that really helped and, and gave quite an experience for that weekend too. I loved that Absolutely. weekend. Absolutely. such a good weekend. There was a lot going on for me because it was my grandparents' anniversary. It was my sister's birthday. And selfishly, I still went and spent time with them. But my main priority was just like being in that class and soaking up everything that I could. And I mean, 
even through Zoom, like I haven't had the opportunity to do that many like acting workshops in person, but even through Zoom with the amount of talented people in that class, it was so easy to feed off of everybody and pick up different things that you could learn or, you know, just go with the flow and have fun with it. So, I mean, I learned so much, even if it was technically behind a computer screen. Oh, yeah. No, and I think like, especially given the pandemic, I used the pandemic to try and gain momentum on this because uh, I was kind of known around as a general performer doing improv with Take One, which does, you know, a lot of the cons with a lot of the different guests and, and yeah. too. But that voiceover was completely different. I always said I wanted to do it, but life got in the way, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you can understand, I'm sure. Once the pandemic hit, it, I was just sitting there like, okay, you either do this or you don't. Don't keep saying you're going to do it and never do it. So that pause, like, I guess was really helpful for me, especially like, because these classes kind of came with a little bit less of a a price tag to it than they Mm -hmm. normally would. But it it was good. It was, I, I loved it. Listening to you talk in that class and then also at Sonny's recommendation, like just hearing you talk about your experience with improv was part of what guided me into getting involved with improv. And now I get to perform with people all over the world. So inadvertently, you kind of planted that seed for me. So thank you for that. It filled the void that I needed when I wasn't wrestling or getting to perform in front of crowds anymore. So it's a very very rewarding thing and like it's opened so many doors already that i'm just thankful for it but this episode isn't about me obviously but um i do want to hit the rewind button a little bit and back up and kind of i want to know where your love of acting and everything came into play for you like did that happen at a young age was that something you experienced as you got older how did that happen for you Oh, definitely, definitely at a young age. I, I was born and raised in Louisiana. It was a very rural kind of area, so there's not too much of arts and humanities unless what you can do with a with a very strict budget. Right. But I was a I, I was a quiet kid in school all the way up until at least my junior my, my junior year in high school when I found out I was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, other people found out I was hilarious. Ah, um, I gotcha, but, I gotcha. <laughs> so uh, I, I started acting, I guess, really in third grade was for a school play, and I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot of stories, and I drew a lot as a kid. I was just kind of always in La La Land. Yeah. And and so, and I'm trying to get back in La La Land. It's hard. As an adult, um, it really is. It, like, bro, I'm, uh, I hate it here in adulthood. So it started off with that, and then I'm not exactly sure what about it. I just kept going back, and even got going back into like junior high, where being in that age era or area in your life is hard enough. But I kind of feel like in the early 2000s, that was probably such the one of the harder times to be that age because the bullying and stuff was at peak levels. Oh yeah. So I I suffered a lot of that and I was a tomboy too. And so I only had friends that were boys and mostly because only the boys watched anime. Mm -hmm. And the reason I watched anime was because I had brothers or I had a brother and he always won the fight over the remote. So I adapted and just kept going back. So I I had been doing the school, the school drama or the school after school programs for that pretty much from third grade all the way up to my senior year, but I didn't really take it as seriously until I got into college and I was a junior in college and I was a business major and I just decided to do a complete 180 and become a theater major. And that was, it was always a calling. I I can't Mm -hmm. really explain it. It's not that I I sat there. Like I just always knew I was going to be in some kind of production realm and I loved the production as a whole, hence having to do other things. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a calling as they say, when, when you become a major in theater, if you can, see yourself doing literally anything else go probably do that yeah (laughs) and i never really understood you think you understand but you never really understand until you until you start to see the patterns in hindsight very very true we both grew up in the early 2000s and like you said that's when the bullying was at its peak where if you liked anime or if you liked anything different you know like outside of what the other kids liked you were like target number one for bullying 
And even at home, like with your parents and the acting and even going forward to when you changed your major to a theater major, did you feel any pushback, whether it be from people around you or your family that weren't supportive of that? Or was your family especially, were they always on board for like you following your dream and feeling fulfilled with what you were doing? My family was heckin' worry. (laughs) My family was not having it at first, and I feel like they are still kind of coming to terms with being comfortable with with what I do now, but in in that area, that's not what you do. You you become a teacher. You, You go through these solid careers so that you can make time for the things that you're passionate about. And that's something that I've battled with, you know, because it's that whole, oh, you got to make money to support yourself slash family and then use the extra time to do these things that you like. And that's never been me. I, I That sounds pointless to me. That's how I interpreted it. So I never want to say that, oh, well, that, that's what they said. That's how I, my, my brain interpreted it. And it just never, it never matched. So there was a, a lot of pushback for a quite, quite a while. And, and I love them. And it was done out of love because that's not a world they've ever explored. My father was a musician and he's really, is a musician. My father is a musician. (laughs) Uh, He's still here somewhere. He's a really good, really good guitar player. And he taught me and my brother guitar. We had a family band and prior to becoming a teacher and now he's a preacher, he played in honky tonk bars. Like that's what he wanted to do. So he probably made his way up to Nashville then. He didn't quite. Oh. He did not quite do that. He could have. And I used to say this as a kid. He could have. And, and so my, my dad's an, an, an enigma to me because there's zero complaints about his life now, which, you know, that that's great, especially because he's really good and really uh, what he does. And then when you're in when you're in that field, you have to. And he's very passionate about it. But I've always wondered about that about him. And I guess those will just be questions left unanswered. He gets to share. He still gets to play guitar. He still gets to do music but just at church not just at church but you know that's how he could connect with people yeah and ultimately that's what i love doing is connecting with people and so i have all these different avenues that i get to do it in but i think he's the closest to in the realm of i guess entertainment right right in the entertainment era of things but he got worried he definitely got worried because he had a family he had to support we weren't sure if i was going to have a family i was married at the time also but now i just support myself my dog and my cats and that gives me some flex some flexibility absolutely to not worry about a 401k at the moment or children being sick Um, you can't relate to that you have children right right (laughs) but so it's interesting just because they can only speak from their experience yeah and this is something that they had no that they had no experience in and they want to make sure that I was well protected and well suited and I pushed back hard. I pushed oh, yeah. back to their pushback and that became a thing in my early twenties, all the way up until maybe maybe just a few years ago, because I'm the youngest. I am the baby girl. <laughs> uh, we've had our ups and downs in life and I, I've kind of finally come to the conclusion that for me, I was scared of turning 30 i turned 30 this year i don't know why you know it's just that weird fear i think also being a woman it's that social 30s, stigma it is yes being a woman but also being in my 30s i've come to the conclusion that my 30s are a lot like my 20s except i weeded out through through all those ideals that were either pushed on me by society by traditions by other aspects that no that don't apply and have never really applied to me so now i get to re raise my young adult self kind of thing that's interesting and and it's something i enjoy observing about myself and then of course people of our similar age range nobody has the answers all you can really do is just be like okay if if this is what you want to do then let's let's research it mm-hmm. and let's see, let's make sure that you get to do it and that you're fully educated and fully aware of the thing. Yeah, that way you're, you don't get blindsided. I, I think that's so far that's the best answer for people who don't have answers, which is everybody. Absolutely, and I mean I think too, like you said, I know they come from a place of caring where again it's not something that they did. So they're obviously going to voice that opinion and make, you know, of caution or whatever it may be. And then us being the younger ones, we're always going to be stubborn and have pushback against it. But I think if it could be explained the way you just did, that would probably 
cut out a lot of that awkward tension that comes even from the parents' best intentions in that regard, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that I I constantly think back on as well. The things that are said or asked that are well-meaning, well-intended, but when you look at it on the other side, you know, you're like, they want you to have that safety net. And that's great. It's like walking a tightrope. But if you're focusing on that safety net so much you're going to fall. And that's the other side of the coin. So there's that whole living in fear versus to sound like my father living in faith. Yep. Um, you you know, get in your own way. Mm-hmm. And, or let's say, edu- and then educated faith. Let's, let's say that. Cause you know, the real world has, its, has its way of, you know, you still got bills to pay. Yep. Absolutely <laughs> true. They don't stop coming even if you don't have a job. So you got to yeah. do something. Yeah. I mean, the bills did stop coming a little bit last year, but then they came back. Rude. Yeah, very rude. You find your way, you find your niche, and Mm -hmm. um, you got to have the hard times. That way they can be a little easier. I hate saying that. I used to think it was a dumb saying, but it's true. And don't get me wrong, there's lots of things that I would have done differently as a 20-year-old and and stuff, but hindsight, much like last year, it was 2020. Yep. (laughs) Very, very true. So I I learned so much in what you just said, like with all of that right there. Like, I didn't even know that you had been married previously, but during that time and with the separation and everything, had you already started pursuing voice acting or was that put on hold during all that? Or was that something that came after the fact? Oh, so I... I knew for some reason since I was 14 that I wanted to do voiceover. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I always listened to to the voicing and the cartoons and I, I was just so enamored with it and, and speaking. So that I've always known. A lot of people have always known that that's what I wanted to do. I've always said it. I, I, I've been able to do some stuff, you know, in my small town that kind of was related to voiceover. But he was very supportive. We met in theater and he actually moved up here to Dallas with me. I think that was part of a part of it. We were away from our families, you know, we're, we're becoming, you know, our own yeah. particular selves. And then at the same time, we got married young, not super young. Mentally, we were, I don't want to say we were immature, but we, we had a lot of experiencing of life to do. Oh yeah. And so uh, our careers became a thing. And so just, we were still like really good friends and it was really hard. A real, that is a, that is a whole other, whole other topic. But the the best thing that we we could figure out was out of love was to let each other go and fulfill our dreams. So he's always known. He was always very supportive during that time. I think the bigger reason why I didn't get to chase after it sooner, or I guess really to the momentum that I've only just been able to grasp now, mm-hmm. it is because of you know self doubt, anxiety, oh, yeah. depression, and you know coming from a small town to a big city, and the way you think things need to be versus how they don't need to be, mm-hmm. and they just are. I'm glad I got to slow down to learn that without getting so caught up in it. I guess mid career, but that was a big thing. He pushed me. He wanted me to, he wanted me to go for it. I had a lot of limiting beliefs and a lot of things that I needed to work out within myself. And I didn't know how to, a lot of things with that. Ultimately, the thing that stopped me was myself. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like that's more common, especially with the creative types than any other field. Like, I don't know what it is, but I know I deal with a lot of the same things that you just named off. So, out of curiosity, and my next question is, like, since you're aware of those things, as you've gotten older as well, and even going back to the younger period there, how did you and how do you address those issues if they start coming back up or creeping into your head? And in regards to, like, for for, my, for myself? When yeah, I, when like with self-doubt, anxiety, all that stuff. Like, how do you how do you personally deal with it? A couple years ago, I actually started meditating honestly and, okay. and journaling. I just knew 
I was on kind of a every day was the same, get up, go make money, go to bed, get up, go make money, go to bed. And then yet somehow still be $200 short a month on <laughs> bills and rent. Right. I was just on a life like where that loop, I, I did not feel like myself. I stepped away from improv and a lot of that for, for a bit just because, you know, a, a lot of things in my life just kind of changed in such a short amount of time. And I no longer felt like myself and I needed I started like looking up a lot of self-help stuff. So Mm -hmm. meditation really helped me. And then that kind of just led more into self-help books. And so now I kind of really started really just enjoying my time with myself, getting to know myself again and just being patient with myself. And that's easier said than done because it's going to mean different to different people. I have lots of friends, but I have very few friends that I make time for just because you know trying to keep my cup filled before I can fill it for other people right I'm a fixer I am uh, a fixer I will fill other people's cups and I have not been able to fill my own cup so I've been pouring out of an empty cup to other people for so long that I needed to learn that for myself and it's still a transition also because of 2020 I don't get to hang out with as many people so I'm relearning because now my social anxiety I love being around crowds I love being able to go to cons again mm-hmm. I'm drained a lot quicker I've gone back into improv a little bit we just had like a small jam session you know just learning the basics again mm-hmm. and I can't tell you why I was winded and we weren't doing hard work it was just a lot and I had been doing this for years prior I don't know why it was just so overwhelming to me update I guess my the way that I I counteract this mostly because of 2020 being shut away from a lot of people as we right I was just gonna say with all that too like did you notice before you started addressing the issue and you started meditating did you notice a lot of burnout coming into the picture or just like the lack of motivation to do the things you normally loved were coming into play there too did you notice any of that with those like with the anxiety and with putting everyone else above yourself like did you notice any of that creeping in Oh, yeah, but uh, definitely. But I would actually label it like it used to literally just be, what is the point? Ah, yep. <laughs> like, what was the point? That's such a terrible way to think about yourself. I, I try to think of myself like, you know, as my younger self. So that's a lot of what's been very therapeutic to me is if this young child came up to me and was like, what's the point of me doing this? I would be like, excuse me, there's a, you get, you love this. It doesn't matter if you're good enough. That's how I would talk to that child. Why am I talking to myself in this negative way kind of thing? Right now, I'm just, I'm learning to enjoy, relearning to enjoy now because before I thought I needed to have this, ooh, so super serious actor grind. And that was built on fear. The, the opposite of fear is is not courage it is love you know as 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 woo woo as that sounds loving yourself is is such a spectrum because in that comes with comes that courage so just when you're holding yourself back like that even as a protective date you're still holding yourself back and you're not letting that genuineness come through and that means something like a lot on camera behind the mic in general yeah it's still a concept that I'm, I'm, I'm working on I haven't quite explained it but that's definitely something that I've been very very much taking the time to to study and observe and I, I love that I love talking about those kinds of topics honestly and so I've also just been trying to focus more on listening or watching things that make me feel good I've never watched the news but I definitely don't now. There's certain dramas that I don't watch and mm-hmm. stuff unless I feel like I'm in a decent headspace for it. So a lot of the stuff that I'll have is a lot of podcasts about, you know, for like self-help positivity or even like nice like lo-fi music. I, I love that. And then, of course, I'm an emo kid at heart. So don't get so I'll put on like my fun punk rock stuff, too. <laughs> I'm getting old, I think. So just more chill stuff yeah. is, is more my jam now. I can relate so much like it's it's literally the older you get like the more that that soft rock music or whatever it is becomes more of the go-to compared to whatever it was I was listening to in college even though some of that does get sprinkled in here and there but it helps you relax a lot more now 
Oh yeah. I'm also learning. I'm really learning, trying to learn how to channel the energy that is anxiety into actual energy. Right. So talking about being old, aging and stuff. I don't know if you've ever noticed on my, on my Facebook, I've got a certain kind of obsession with a certain kind of band named Green Day. Yes. And it's, oh yeah. Uh, Homeboy is 51 years old and he's still running on stage and he's still making this fun music. Yeah. Um, that's even more relevant today. And their newer like their newer stuff actually is more reminiscent of their older stuff i I love how that that kind of energy you know that energy that makes you feel like you're i don't want to say 15 16 or something honestly i think 14 is the age because you're still in that childhood like state yeah but you're in that cool teenage state too so you haven't quite had the teenage angst yeah that happy medium almost yeah the what is it simple simple plan song i'm just a kid like that kind of feel yeah that that's a whole era to me but that energy i love and i love getting that whenever i can and so especially going to shows like that that reignites that flame so every now and then i try to get that flame reignited again trying to find the ways to do it there's few and far between (laughs) right right because now it's just that stresses me out Again, you got to find that happy medium in the middle of all that, too. So it's just like, eh, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, you just go with your flow, and it's that's what it is. It's all a flow. Yep. And that's the, that's the like- hardest thing, too, is because I, at one point, I was like the ultimate control freak where it's like, I've got to do this. I've got to have it this way. I've got to do this, this, and this. And that was stressful. But now it's like the more you back off, like sometimes it still creeps in a little bit, but it's still just so much easier to just let it go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. Right, right. And I feel like a, a huge thing is for some, that energy that comes in, we need to do it all at once. Like mm-hmm. as if we don't have enough time. Yes, yes. And I think that's also such an American way too because we are in a hurry. Fast food is a huge symbol of that. You know, mm-hmm. we, want it, we want it fast. And Amazon. you can make a ham, yeah, and you can make a hamburger at home that one probably tastes better, and two probably doesn't have all those chemicals in it. Yep. Whereas you know, countries in, in Europe and stuff, they home cook their stuff. They take the time, and they're so much more chill. I'm sure there are certain things that they're not as chill about, but that's still that aspect. The industrial, we got to do everything right now, fast. That's a huge issue. So very true. If we don't do it all at once. We're scared that we won't have enough time. And then if we cut that sentence short, it just goes to we're scared, which goes into that living in fear rather than living in a, I don't want to say faith. Well, okay, living in faith. You know, we'll say it like that. Yeah. Because while tomorrow is never promised, you don't have to get everything done right now. Very true. And that's something that like, there's always got to be that constant reminder of, you know, you don't have to burn yourself out all over again just trying to cram all this stuff in at that time. And right. like you said, I think that's very ingrained in our culture now. And I think that's what leads to a lot of these societal problems with burnout, with not being happy with your job or not being happy at home or just whatever it may be. I think it's just because everybody feels pressure to do all that stuff at once. And it's not I don't really know where that came from. But I could tell you it comes from when we became industrialized, you know, the yeah. industrial revolution and, you know, the way that school systems are set up now was to prepare us to go to work. And so that created a whole uh, generations of the society and that trickled down from our great grandparents to our grandparents to our parents. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, people our age, our parents, it was probably most affected by them. Like they're the ones that felt it the most. They felt the peak of that, whereas we are kind of the hindsight. We, we're, we said, well, you're basing the, doing these things this way doesn't make sense anymore. And you're stressed and your blood pressure is high and we don't want that. So we're very much a, our, our generation is very much a, maybe you should calm down, yep. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word. Maybe you should calm down because why do we want to wait for retirement to enjoy life? Right. Kind of thing. Exactly. If you look at the statistics for a lot of it, too, most people don't live too long after they retire at an older age either. So Mm -hmm. why would you not want to try and get there a little bit earlier and enjoy the fruits of your labor while you can and just enjoy it on the way to it as well? 
Yeah, I, I think like pace yourself. This is a what is it? Is it a marathon, not a sprint? I it's a yeah. Been spl- it's I've a marathon, a not a sprint. <laughs> never been a sports person, so definitely that. And we see a lot of that in the change of of culture today. Absolutely. Uh, and then the boomers versus the the millennials, Gen Zers, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, I'm jealous of the Gen Zers. Honestly, they're going to have such a different uh, future than people who are just five years older than them like people like us in the millennial i think you and i are mid-millennial yep it's it's super interesting to see because that is a whole culture shock right there it really is and And their kids are gonna be interesting to see very yeah i don't i don't even know at this point and it scares me that my kids already know how to use a tablet that i can barely figure out they know how to use a phone like uh, you know like yeah i can only imagine what's I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. So. Oh goodness! Okay, yeah. yeah. No, they, they, they're starting. Yeah, they're starting really, really young. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's like, sure, you're playing educational games on it and everything, but you know how to get to the app and you know how to turn it on, and I don't. Like, I'm lucky I can even operate an iPhone, but here we are, <laughs> and yet somehow here I am recording a podcast with a bunch of high-tech equipment. So go figure that one out. Make it, yeah, make it make sense. Right. I, I can't use Discord. I don't understand it. But that's where everybody is. Yeah. I got it. I, I, I'm on it every now and then. I don't understand. I just so get I the notifications it. and that's it. I don't really chime in. So, yeah. but, <laughs> um, change. Yeah. get off of my lawn. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get that guy out of here. Going uh back to the voice acting. Was it the anime that you watched, you know, growing up with your brother that made you want to uh, get involved and work with Funimation? Was there a certain voice actor or actress that you always heard growing up that kind of was the inspiration that you looked up to? Like, walk me through that and then how you got involved with Funimation. Um, That's a really good question. I don't know what it was that I just always loved about anime you know back in our day that was like the og of dragon ball z yes. and stuff like that and i loved it and i played it like in that and pokemon and digimon mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that i can't really say if it was a certain anime or, or, or anything like that i guess really what it was that i liked about it was that there were anime and there still are anime now they make you feel things and you yes. don't understand. So like one prime example being like fruits basket or, you know, in my day it was, fr- you know, the fruits basket that back in like 2005, they just finished the remake of it. They just finished the the remake of it. That was really based on the manga rather than just a small snippet to sell. Mm-hmm. The original one wasn't as true to the manga as the one they just did. It still made you feel things. And I think th- that was just something that always was so cool to me being somebody just locked up in her room a lot you know like your standard anime person you you can connect with people in in that sense and not even know not even know them probably not even at the forefront of your mind and then for me I started recognizing not I don't want to say tonality tonalities of certain voices but just certain aspects of how characters spoke and I was like that kind of reminds me of this character and that's when I started researching I'm like oh my god it's the same character and stuff like that and that was just a cool fun game that I played I didn't know that there were anime conventions until like 2010 yeah same here I did not know that. Went to my first one in 2010. You know, it'll probably be a little embarrassing to say, but some of my friends now, I actually met at my first con or or they were guests. And I can't wait to find that little autograph book once I dig through all my crap (laughs) just so I can be like, hey, LOL, look at that. I I did that with a picture with Michael Tatum a couple of years ago because we both kind of had a glow up. (laughs) He had sideburns and I definitely had baby face. (laughs) <laughs> and that was uh, that was interesting to look back upon. But how I'm involved with them now is is also interesting. I, I started working for cons probably the same in 2010, 2011, where I helped staff my hometown's first convention, which is still going. That's SyphaCon uh, in Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. And I, I stayed with them for a while up until I moved here to Dallas. And I continued to act and do stage performances. I started doing film. Uh, like short films and stuff as well so my entire goal was to get into acting as a whole as well so not just voiceover and that's also where 
or for Cyphercon, I met um, the improv group Take One, and we all really mashed well together. Me and a few members ended up moving to Dallas literally the same week because they're based in Oklahoma. And so we started kind of setting out where I I helped them with trying to create a Dallas team, but I also kind of became part of their team for for Mm -hmm. a few years. They helped me, they educated me with, you know, creating with with writing and scripting and we did a lot of fun comedy sketches and then they taught me improv and I basically just picked it up and I still have so much work to do on that so me and a a couple of uh, of other of the other members on there we all wanted to do voiceover a couple of them now they 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 had already started their their careers began with that way earlier than mine and I just kind of stepped back I I I stood back because I still I didn't feel quite grounded in in my acting to quite go forward. I knew, this sounds terrible, I knew I was good, but I didn't feel good enough still, you know? I gotcha. I didn't feel grounded in it. Working at cons and then working with Take One, we all had like a a very good network. So we ended up working with people at Funimation and doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with them. Caitlin Glass, who who directs, she what was it it was for sakura quest she had she she had us do or, or film her for these like it was like a little it was sakura quest fest and you could probably look it up on uh youtube if, if it's still up she would have the different actors come in and it was like a little breakfast tea time and they would just have nice little chats and um she would get on what is it Scope? periscope i think yeah periscope she would interact with fans and it, it, it's very interesting and getting to know them and, and you know and they're even in their little everyday lives and and how they speak in regards to these stories and how they view them so me now a grown woman you know educated actor got my degree and stuff hearing somebody speak lang- a language that I actually understand it, it was very very comforting since then you know I, I still catch uh, some of them at cons um we still chat you know, over, over IM, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Mm-hmm. Some of them are now off in LA. And so I went to LA a couple of years ago and we'll, we'll catch up and have, you know, we'll have drinks or dinner and stuff. It really was just kind of a, a thing, a domino effect, a thing that led into another. So I don't want to say that it was something that was chased. I, it was more just the, the blocks kept kind of being put in front of me. Got- and so I really started focusing just more on relationships than I did the career. I wanted mm-hmm. to be grounded in my career first. And I didn't want to be that guy that was like, hey, well, I do this. Can you get me in? I wanted to make yeah. sure that what the product that I had, aka my voice and my my mindset of it, I wanted to make sure that product was good whole product mm-hmm. in, in a way, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, and I, I love hearing that because what you just said a second ago about so many people are the hey I can do this or hey I can do this voice can you put a word in for me type of thing like that's almost all you hear about but I love hearing that you wanted to be grounded and you wanted to build the relationships and then it seems like the universe just kind of plugged and played and put everything else into place from there so I love hearing that oh yeah I think I told you this before, like the kicker was my, my first role, like the director that called me in for Funimation, never met him before in my life. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's comforting to me. It sounds like I'm downing any of my friends that, that work there. Um, it's because, you know, I respect, you know, I respect them and ne- there's never any hard feelings of never getting cast in any of their shows. Right. Just because that is something you throw away, you, you got to throw away. And I still watch those shows just to see like, what was their idea for this? Oh, that's so cool. I'm learning from whoever whoever they cast it's interesting so i i I feel and hope that you know whenever i get cast it's because it's because of they truly felt that i was a good part for this character absolutely else and i do try to separate the two and it's hard and i'm still working on it as well because as an actor and as a creative it's hard not to talk about work yeah i mean it's your life If it's so much of what you do, it's so hard to keep it out of conversation because, again, most of the people that you're going to associate with are going to be the same people that you work with or, like you said, your friends in improv. So, I mean, why wouldn't it come up in conversation? Right. And I often forget that there are people not like me. There are people who, you know, they have their families and, you know, they're married and stuff. Me, it's just me. And I love my work, maybe a little too much. 
I, I love my my me time. Creating is is what I do. I don't feel productive if I'm not producing, which is kind of toxic and I'm working on it. But they have their families and they have these other aspects of their life. They're, that's not their identity. That's only part of it. They have other aspects of their life that they're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should too, you know? These are things that I, I constantly think of. I, I think that's one thing that I, I sense a lot and I could be very wrong that we, we all love what we do, yep. but I'm sure there's a there will be a point where it's like, okay, well, I, 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 I do other things. I have a family. I'm not just sitting at, I'm not just sitting here creating the animes, you know, yeah. like that's not my sole calling, you know? So I, I, I love music and stuff too. So I connect with people through that. I just ultimately love connecting with people. Absolutely. And I get overexcited, super excited with connecting with people that also do the thing I do. And sometimes that can be overwhelming to them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you can still tell that the passion and like the enthusiasm is there, which is awesome. Now, with what you said about, you know, staying grounded with the actors and everyone that you met, did the same approach apply with your agent? Because I know you have representation as well. Was it more about making the connection with your agent was it strictly business? How did you approach that kind of situation? That's interesting. So my agent, I had actually known him for for a couple of years, and we'd kind of been Facebook buddies, but mm-hmm. we took the same acting class from a teacher. She's absolutely amazing. Her name's uh, Nancy Shortier here in Dallas. Uh-huh. And we met at one of her Halloween parties, which, wow, it's almost that time again. Yeah, I know, right? It was that time again. But And I barely remember it. We had just been kind of, became Facebook buddies and every now and then, you know, sh- share a good meme and then accidentally ran into each other in, in Deep Bellum at one point. So like caught up for a bit and talked about work do my best not to talk about work because yeah. I never want to seem like I want something. But I happen to be, he's all the way down in, they're based in Dallas, but uh, I know that he like lives like way South of Dallas and I had to be down there for a wedding. I had a, a bridal client that I was doing makeup for. So it was in his mm-hmm. area. And so I just reached out. I was like, Oh, Hey, I'm in your area. Do you want to grab lunch? And that was it. Like we were just going to like grab lunch, you know, and just chill. Just, just be homies. Once again, that thing about work starts coming up. <laughs> but he offered to take a listen to my stuff. Uh, thankfully, I actually had stuff that I could submit at this point because I had been kind of working on my demo and then the whole, is this good enough? Is it not good enough? Is it good enough? Is it not good enough? <laughs> the dreaded um, questions. Yeah. So I was like, I was interested and I was nervous because, you know, it's like, what if they say no? And then, but we're friends and he says, no, is that going to be extra awkward? You know, kind of thing. But he offered and I was like, you know, it's an offer. We'll try it. I, I'm not very well versed in how, in, in how, you know, the age of talent and especially not then, not a whole year, not a whole year ago. Now it's been a year. And it flies but, by. Yes. But he offered and he seemed to really like it. And I also need to say the, the people that helped me with my demos, like they helped me so much. And then, you know, I asked for notes from other working individuals mm-hmm. without having, I, I was like, I just want notes. I don't want anything else. And they gave me that. So definitely couldn't have done it without the help. So there's that weird fear of, hey, can I ask for your help? I swear I'm not. There's no um, strings attached. Yeah. 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 But so it was just kind of a thing that once again was just kind of an opportunity that that happened. Mostly because these were individuals that I connected with because we were all passionate about the thing. Much rather than, hey, I want to do the thing. Can you make sure I can do the thing? I'm not solely seeking out just to do the thing. I I love connecting with like-minded creative people. And so I'm still trying to learn how to do that in this industry while still being able to like myself in that. Absolutely. And I mean, like, man, that's so important too, because I think the biggest thing you just said right there is the no strings attached part. Like it's all from a place of trying to get better and trying to improve. And then also too, you're obviously trying to make a connection with that person, but with the way things are, it's almost always like no matter what you do, there may be a, somebody's going to think there's a string attached or you're trying to gain something out of that. So I Absolutely. just, I love the enthusiasm and the positivity that you bring to that whole process as well. Like, I don't know if contagious is the right word, but like just listening to it, I could hear how excited and how, like how much it meant to you and it has me smiling right now. Like that's some powerful stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I, no, thank you so much. I, I, I try to because I guess it, it's a huge fear of mine to ever be viewed in that ever be viewed in that way. And maybe and that's probably a fear I need to let go because, yeah. you know, the more you think of it. But, you know, I, I, I definitely couldn't have gotten this work without that without that help. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super grateful, honestly, with every single little step that was made that led me to this point and then of course all the little steps that will just be made to whatever the next point will be um, absolutely super grateful for it and I, and I love looking back at it because it's really it's really kind of, it's really beautiful honestly this kind of goes into that you know living in faith and not in fear kind of thing yep because again the fear will undoubtedly point out that we are our own worst enemy and we are creating problems that don't even really exist and just sabotaging ourselves. Yeah, it ultimately you're saying you're you're saying to God, the universe, what have you, it's that desperation of like, oh, if I don't get this, then obviously I don't deserve it. Well, if you don't think that you don't deserve it, then you're not going to get it. Exactly. You know, and it leads into each other. You Um, manifested basically. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Not to get too much into that, like. I've learned that, you know, the way you talk to yourself like that is very, it's a psychological thing as well. Like yes. to, to plant it more into, I guess is mostly accepted for people to understand, mm-hmm. you know, if you speak to yourself in positive ways, positive things are going to happen to you. Maybe not everything that will, that happens to you is 100% positive, but you will definitely have less of a fearful, desperate, uh, desperate reaction to things. Very true. Very true. So, I've really only got a couple more questions here because uh, I know we're coming up on an hour and I don't want to keep you too long. First question is, I know still you're doing a lot of makeup for different things, whether it's cons, whether it's photo shoots, whatever it may be. And then you're still doing the voice acting. And like you said, you've just you've come into that momentum and things are picking up. Do you find it difficult to balance both of those? Is it easy to balance or is it, um, I hate to say pick and choose, but... What's your process for making both of those things work where it's not overwhelming for you? You know, I'm only just now trying to figure that out because um, uh, I had this issue mostly with make with makeup a couple weeks ago doing production makeup. I accidentally double booked and one was going to be a huge paying gig and the other was going to be they're my regular they're a regular client. Yeah. But paycheck wasn't going to be as huge. Not only wrong, the work wasn't going to be as huge either, but that's something that I am constantly thinking about. Thankfully with, with the voiceover right now, they ask you about your schedule beforehand. Uh huh. And then of course being doing makeup, I'm more in control of my schedule. So there's, there's a little bit more flexibility than, than initially planned. Thankfully. Um, it, it hasn't been too much of an issue with voiceover, mostly just like double booking, like client makeups. That's only just recently been an issue. But thankfully I have other makeup artist friends that I can defer to because I love being able to get people jobs as well, especially my creative friends. Cause I do did that for a call of duty shoot. And then as well as um, I think this one, this previous one we did was, Oh, it was a Instagram influencer, you know, a mom fluencer. Cause those are things. That's a thing Met her last year, two families, 15 people told, told them, uh, turned them all into zombies and wow. started at 7am ended at 5pm <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> and it was Ooh. fun. I love it. Like super grateful. That was very spiritually feeding to me as well as, um, paying my rent. <laughs> but I keep a calendar, honestly. Right now, that's all I can say is I keep yeah, a calendar. And I I've had to start doing that myself. That's been a non-issue. Thank kind God. Of. So after that, uh, my last question really is, I mean, what's next for you? What do you want to accomplish? Or where do you um, where do you see things going? Or where would you like to see them go for you? I'm waiting for, I say waiting, that's that's terrible. I'm looking for, I'm honestly looking for more like classes and, and hoping mm-hmm. like, you know, for, for more people with the mindset and, you know, professionalism, just because that there's people on that level that you can, you can connect with versus, you know, people that, you know, I, I love helping people. So if there's a, somebody that's beginning, I love being able to help them that I'm scared I turn into a teacher and right. that's not my job. That's not what I'm looking for. I but, understand. Um, I guess just really um, peers, you know, I, I love being able to meet peers and, and lurk, uh, work and learn from peers. Um, for my voiceover, I'd love to get in, uh, back into the studio for a couple more roles. If anything, it's uh, I'm grateful for, for anything I get. Um, I'd really love eventually to have, you know, a few characters that I can just really connect with and, and really explore, go on that journey with them for hopefully more than a few episodes. 
I don't have like a, a set goal or plan at the moment. Right now, it's just more of feeling everything out. Absolutely, and that's probably uh, the best the best mindset to have on that too, because I mean it's uh it's a lot harder to be disappointed if you go with the flow like we were talking about earlier. Because I know you're going to have goals, but if you have something that may be up to somebody else at that point and it's out of your hands, it may also help avoid the the disappointment factor or the discouragement factor as well, if that makes sense. Right. And then, you know, also kind of keep in the mindset that – or switching from the mindset of, you know, acting is such a competitive um, industry. Yes. I like to focus on it more as a there is enough for everyone, you know, kind of thing. I'd love to spend some time up in L.A. just mostly because I do not like winter. I don't like the cold. I have a very specific temperature, and it's between (laughs) 70 and, like, 90. And that's a a small time window frame here in Texas. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm a reptile. But, you know, going up – just going up to L.A. for a bit to to feel that out and and see how that works, you know. I just love to do the thing. Right, right. (laughs) Do the thing and have some fun. Yeah, yeah. Do the thing. Feel feel fulfilled, you know, in in that connection and and just in, enjoying, you know, in, enjoying, which doesn't necessarily mean always smiles, but you know, I, I'd love to be able to look back and and feel very proud of the people I've connected with, the people that I've met, the work I've done, and I think that's what I look forward to. So whatever those things that are in between now and then, that's that's what I want. Whatever that that will be. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Well, there any parting words that you'd like to leave our audience with before we wrap up here? Definitely, it, it, it does not matter where uh, where you're at or what resources, uh, especially if you're younger, what resources that are made available to you. Getting into acting in any any form because there's there's no professional acting where I'm from. All of that is just you know it, it's hobbies and communities and mm-hmm. and it's that's beautiful. But it, it it led me into this. So don't be afraid to make the first step. The first right. step is always the hardest part. And you are going to have so many first steps. There's going to be dips. And that that's normal. And I also, I feel that being being a self-employed makeup artist, I'm trained in the dips. You know, I got seasons where I, I can't book to save my life. Right. And then seasons that I just can't not book. Acting is kind of weird. I, I do have that fear now of like, is this it? But you know, it's very quick that I'm like, no, calm down. You just keep going. You've managed this far. You just keep going. Yep. And just enjoy the ride. Just stay the course. And I can't think of a better note to end on than that. And I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time here tonight. And I'll make sure that we have links to all your socials and everything you have going on in the show notes so that everybody can keep up with you and what you're doing and enjoy the sense of humor that we both share. So I would definitely (laughs) recommend that. Guys, before we wrap up here tonight, I just again want to say I hope you all had a happy and safe Thanksgiving, and I hope you're not out fighting too many people on Black Friday. And as we get full swing into the holiday season here, I hope you all get to enjoy it with everybody that means something to you. I hope you'll also take a minute to turn them on to this podcast and spread the word as best you can. Continue to follow us on all of our social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And again, if you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. And just be good to each other. That's all I can say. So for Suzanne, for myself, just want to say thank you. Hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. And I know you hear me. Hi, I'm Will Harridge, and I'm an audio engineer. But you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know. But I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise Coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. <laughs> <laughs>